0: You are listening to Reach MDXM 233, the channel for medical professionals. In 1966, the movie Fantastic Voyage, starring Raquel Welch, depicted a team of physicians who were shrunk down to nanotype levels and injected into the human body to help fight off disease. It sounded far-fetched at that time, but if you fast-forward 41 years, we are actually doing that today. We're not injecting people, but we are injecting nanoparticles and using the same technology to help diagnose and fight disease. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Today with me is Dr. Mark Carvlin, Managing Director of Intellectual Capital Development Company. ICDC provides professional services to assist clients in the healthcare industries helping them to develop and market more valuable products through product and technology assessments. Dr. Carvlin, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Dr. Taskill.
0: So tell me your involvement with nanotechnology in its use in cardiovascular diseases.
1: I have the the pleasure of working with a small startup company called uh, Nanoscan Imaging. Nanoscan has uh, developed a nanoparticulate a form of iodine that is to be used in conjunction with CT, computed tomography, and CT angiography in the evaluation of coronary artery disease and and cardiovascular disease generally. The uh, nanoparticle is uh, much smaller than a red blood cell. It's about 200 nanometers in diameter. And uh, being a particulate, once it's in- injected, it's recognized by the uh, reticuloendothelial system uh, as a foreign and gobbled up by macrophages. So this uh, agent localizes within macrophages wherever they might be found.
0: And we know that macrophages which start as monocytes in the bloodstream, like to migrate through the endothelium and participate in the creation of coronary artery disease.
1: Absolutely. Uh, The reticuloendothelial system, also known as the monocyte phagocytic system, is comprised of circulating monocytes, but also uh, monocytes that have found their way into tissues and differentiated into macrophages. And those macrophages are typically involved in cleaning up cellular debris, uh, getting rid of invading pathogens, and also mopping up any kind of uh, particulate matter. Now, uh, they are found at sites of infection and inflammation, and coronary artery disease, atherosclerosis, really is a chronic inflammatory condition one in in which macrophages have been recruited to uh, reside within the wall of the vessel and to try and repair the insult that has been inflicted by excess levels of LDL cholesterol. And not surprisingly, the nanoparticles migrate through the uh, endothelium and are recognized by the macrophages and, and also gobbled up. So uh, we have been investigating the application of the nanoparticles for identification of active plaque or or so-called vulnerable plaque where macrophages are um, activated and present in high numbers.
0: It sounds groundbreaking. I'm excited about it because to date, we really have no good tests to define which one is the vulnerable plaque. We can we can see many plaques, but we don't know which one is prone to rupture. Are there certain plaques that have more macrophages, thus those are more vulnerable to rupture?
1: Absolutely. That, that's a, a very good point. And uh, that is uh, macrophages, while they're doing good work in sequestering the LDL, they are also releasing cytokines and and elaborating other enzymes that can uh, undo some of the repair work. So we have both an adaptive and a maladaptive process that are, are competing in the sites of flax in the coronary arteries. The adaptive process is being led by fibroblasts that are laying down a collagen fibrous cap in order to contain all of the cellular debris. And we have the uh, macrophages that are elaborating degradative enzymes that can uh, undermine the integrity of that fibrous plaque. So what we have with the nanoparticle is a way of probing those plaques that are characterized by many more and many more active macrophages. And at this point, it's almost a a unique tool, although we have obtained some correlative information using a uh, completely different technique, and that's the technique of uh, positron emission tomography with the use of fluorodeoxyglucose, FDG. FDG is, is taken up Uh, as though it were glucose by metabolically active cells. But because there's a, a fluorine on one of the carbons, it is not further metabolized. So it's just retained within these metabolically active cells. So using the FDG, we can identify plaques that are metabolically active, not necessarily targeting through the macrophages as we do with the nanoparticles, But when you superimpose the PET information with the nanoparticulate enhanced CT information, you get very good one-to-one correspondence. Uh, And I should say that this work is ongoing in the laboratory of Dr. Zahi Fayed, who is on the faculty. At the Mount Sinai School of Medicine in New York City,
0: you are listening to reach mdxm two thirty three the channel for medical professionals i 'm your host dr Larry caskell and i 'm talking today with dr mark carvlin we 're talking about the use of nanotechnology in helping medical imaging to diagnose and manage cardiovascular disease Mark, what so far has been done in terms of human beings with with this technology
1: interesting uh, story in that uh, this nanoparticulate contrast agent was first developed not to diagnose cardiovascular disease, but to diagnose cancerous extension into lymph nodes. And in that application, it was administered as a transcutaneous injection around the site of a tumor, so-called sentinel lymph node evaluation. And for that route of administration for that application, this agent had been administered to about 60 uh, normal human subjects to characterize uh, its preliminary safety and and efficacy. So there has been some limited exposure in uh, humans, but for the use of the agent to diagnose cardiovascular disease and to characterize uh, various forms of plaque in the coronary arteries, we're a couple of years away yet from uh, clinical trials.
0: So let's fast forward five years from now. Where do you see nanoparticle use and nanotechnology? Do you, do you foresee us being able to routinely order these kinds of infusion tests with our patients and and find the vulnerable plaque and either stent it or have some sort of sealant or have some better drug then statins at that point to take care of the vulnerable plaque. I want you to close your eyes and just imagine.
1: You'll come in, congratulations, it's your 50th birthday. You're going to get a a baseline evaluation of uh, your coronary arteries and and overall cardiovascular health. And this evaluation is going to be comprised of of two imaging examinations, both of which are non-invasive, one CT, one uh, nuclear, probably PET, right? For the CT, you'll receive an injection of uh, the nanoparticulate, and uh, this nanoparticulate circulates in the blood um, for a much longer period of time than does uh, standard iodinated contrast agents that are available today. So you will have a CT scan from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, and be able to visualize your entire cardiovascular system. The CT will also evaluate cardiac function, so we'll know about ejection fraction, and we'll know about the integrity of the valves, and we'll also have a very good appreciation for the coronary arteries. We'll be able to score calcium in the coronary arteries, and we'll be able to visualize the, the soft plaque. Now, the PET component of the examination or possibly SPECT is to evaluate myocardial perfusion using some of the standard tracers that we have available today. Either rubidium on the PET side or some of the technetium labeled agents on the SPECT side. So there, congratulations on your 50th birthday. You have a great picture, a complete description of the, uh, the health of your cardiovascular system, and that then will be used to guide you through the various management uh, alternatives that would be available, whether those are, are super statins or some drugs that are being developed to actually reverse the process of atherosclerosis that may be available in the market in five years. All of those uh, choices can be informed using the results of this new one-stop-shop approach to evaluating your cardiac health.
0: It sounds wonderful, Mark. I, I look forward to that. But with the with the explosion of diabetes and metabolic syndrome and the fact that our children are exploding in waist size in front of us, I'm wondering if it would be a better gift as a bar mitzvah gift or a uh, sweet 16 gift because... Better to find out they have disease, as you and I know, they developed this disease as teenagers and not at age 50, so why not, why not get them before the disease progresses or when it's just starting? Any thoughts on that?
1: It is impossible to overstate the motivation that an individual can receive when looking at a clear depiction of your heart and your coronary arteries. I myself have, have had this kind of workup, uh, a multi-detector CT examination, and I saw a little grain of calcium as, as well as a little deposit of soft plaque. And the very next day, I was in my internist's office getting my first prescription for a, a statin as well as really being motivated to pursue uh, lifestyle changes. So uh, I think the same thing can be done with and, and for our children and for a younger individuals. It doesn't have to be a person who is uh, 50. Better yet, as you suggest, uh, someone in, in their 20s where the disease has not really gotten an, an established presence.
0: Mark, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show today and talking about the future of coronary artery disease and the potential use of nanoparticles in diagnosing disease. My name is Dr. Larry Kaskill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.